I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to Thriving Matters for another episode. And my guest, who will really knock your socks off today, is Joseph Maguire. Now, Joseph, it's fresh morning in Ireland. And of course, it's evening here in Sydney, Australia. So Joseph, you're very welcome. So pleased you could join us. <laughs> oh, my pleasure, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm fascinated, Joseph. A little while ago, I took up a challenge through our professional networks and mm-hmm. I had a reading of a photograph. That's how I'm going to set this up. So In telling you that, listeners, Joseph's career has spanned a number of decades and over the time, he has now become a leading world facial reading expert. And his whole work now, from what I gather, Joseph, and correct me if I'm wrong, is around personalities, behaviours, facial and body language, and how you can learn about people and look at the qualities that they're going to add to the roles and the jobs and the leadership that they are involved in. That's a bit of a nutshell, but I'd love you to just (laughs) leave that out for me because I know it's much more than that. So would you help me out here? (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice introduction. I love being called one of the world's leading experts. So uh, thank you for that and you're on commission. Basically, I work with, it's an ancient Chinese tradition. It's a a tradition that goes back at least 3,000 years. Like the documentation goes back that far. Uh, The understanding there is that our faces, our static facial features reveal a huge amount of information, as you say, about personality, behavior style communication, both in terms of how we receive and process information, as mm-hmm. well as how we then externalize it, stress triggers and responses, um, genetic influences, family influences, health issues, because I learned it initially as a, as a diagnostic tool. So now my work kind of splits into two areas. I was a therapist for many years, so I'm increasingly finding I'm in demand again for working in that personal transformation space. But in work terms, typically I would be called to sit in on interviews for senior level roles. I could be called to sit in in negotiations. Um, I work with teams to help them get their communication right. And during lockdown, what I'm finding is there's a lot of domestic stress. So people are coming to me to not to fix relationships, but typically what they will do is they'll send me a photo of their partner or spouse. I will look at the photo and then I will have the person on live for a video call. And we'll talk about how they both communicate, how they both process information. So to help clarify, this is actually how you need to present to your partner. This is how you process. So it helps to reduce at least miscommunication. Wow. That is absolutely fascinating. And during COVID and lockdown across the world, we're quite concerned about the isolation, especially where relationships are toxic, where there's physical abuse, emotional abuse addictions, um, huge amount of different health issues and mental health issues. And I think we're all really concerned, not just for the wider globe, but also it comes back into the family members and the friends that we have 
to see how they're coping and the responses. So that is absolutely fascinating. I hope you're sleeping in all this because you would be in demand, I am sure. And I love the fact that you talk about seeking to understand so that you can communicate together because that's the biggest trigger, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And to me, it's about working together. I am my business, but I'm working increasingly in collaboration with others, both individuals and teams. So it's very much about how we work best together is taking ego off the table. Yeah. What's required Mm. for the best outcome here and what can you bring and what can I bring and how can we harmonize that? How can we even appreciate our differences? Well, there you go. And we've actually had some time given back to us, removing travel time, removing meeting time, extra pressure from the boss to be home late, out of the job, all that sort of thing. And we've added extra pressure to have everybody in the house home, the children in the house, the little ones, the big ones, you name it, not being able to get to your elderly parents or relatives that you usually drop in and care for or your close friends. So it is about understanding each other and and how we get on. I'm actually thinking that this is such a huge need in this particular time. And so one of the things I ask everybody when they come onto Thriving Matters podcast, I ask them, you know, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? And I would think, Joseph, that you've probably got some really good habits already in place because all of your work is all about people. And especially in this time, communicating through a digital format, not face-to-face as you probably would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's quite a lot of evidence now about how exhausting this digital format is for people. I'm curious about what things you've got in place to help you thrive in this time. Yeah, it is a challenge because, as you say, I would normally work face-to-face, whether with individuals or groups, like in a very live situation where we're all in the same room. So that is a challenge. I'm very fortunate that meditation has been a major part of my life for the last, I guess, close on 40 years. So I get great benefit from that. I don't follow any particular system. I guess I've devised my own method at this stage, but that's hugely important for me. I'm one of these curious people that doesn't drive. So I walk and I make a point of walking every day, regardless. I just get out and I do that. I do have a wonderful partner. We don't live together, but I have a wonderful partner. I've got great friends with whom I can just get on a call and we can have a laugh together. We call it like sledging. Yeah, you need a bit of that as well because uh, not to take yourself too seriously or not to take life too seriously. But I've also got friends where we can go from that to talking about, you know, spiritual matters. We just get really real with each other. What's really going on for you? How are you really feeling today? Yeah. So there's a huge support network there. So And it's mutual. You've maintained that over your career and developed that over your career and your lifetime. So it's not something that's necessarily new to how you've always shown up each day life is life has certainly presented more than a few challenges for me over the years yeah like a lot of people have gone through a lot of different stresses and strains so i've learned from those probably one of the big lessons i've learned is that the past is just information that's probably the biggest single lesson i've learned over the last year the past is just information where so many people and i've certainly done it more than enough myself we get caught up in trying to relive and regurgitate and reimagine the past and what if and all of that and it doesn't help it doesn't serve in any way so getting to that point where I can just see the past as the past and I don't have to get caught up in any old patterns that I can choose how I wish to be now and how I wish to be for the future and create from now that's been a a life-changing experience for me. Was there a trigger that 
helped you get to that point? Was there something that had happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. Life fell apart again a few years ago. Looking back, I knew I was off course. I knew I wasn't living my life. I was trying to fit in and trying to be what I thought was required from business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was in a long-term relationship. I was already divorced. I was in another long-term relationship and I couldn't see that it was, it was sinking. Then partner pulled the plug and I, I was financially wiped out. I was close to homelessness. This new business was just starting. So I was on rocky ground there. So I needed a lot of support. Thankfully, I had some very wonderful friends and very wise people to advise me and to kick my butt as well to make sure I wasn't, you know, drowning in self-pity or any of that. So it has been a series of learning experiences to now get to the point where life is better than it's ever been. And I have an appreciation of life, mm. I have an appreciation of myself greater than I've ever had. And I can only see that getting better and better, which means I'm in a far better position to help people than I would have been if I hadn't gone through all that. Your self-awareness has been heightened, hasn't it? I do a lot of work in emotional intelligence and you may know a colleague of mine, Derek McCann. Oh, yes. Yeah, Genos International. So for me, when I first started to coordinate a middle leader program using the Genos model and their um, Ignite program, it became one of the most amazing things I think I have ever learned and continue to learn about. I wish I'd had it when I was bringing up my four children, actually. <laughs> so now... I loved what you said about, you know, the past is just information because we ruminate and it gets bigger and bigger and a new story becomes our truth or what we think is our truth. And I'm very appreciative. You, you've been extremely generous and honest with us. So thank you for telling us about that. And the reason you're able to do your particular work, of which no doubt you love, you actually love oh, yeah. doing what you do. and. That's why you are so successful at it, is because you understand yourself so well so that you can understand others. So that all goes together in, in the AI competencies or what we call you know, the emotional intelligence. But it's really relational work that we yes. do. And it's the core. And everything you've spoken about is around communicating with yourself as well as others. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's so powerful. I mean, that's a quotable quote. I'm going to use that if you don't mind. You should hashtag that, you know, Joseph. The past is just information. Now, you've delved into the Chinese practice, and I may pronounce it incorrectly. Men Cheng? I know I get it wrong anyway, but I'm told it's Mien Sheng. I did mention it to a Chinese friend here in Dublin, and she looked blankly at me. So it's approximately Mien Sheng. Well, that practice is centuries old, and yes. I can imagine that learning and developing that over your lifespan and your work span, you've had a great appreciation for the practice, but also the mindfulness that goes with a lot of the traditional Chinese practices. They're very robust, aren't they, in um, oh, indeed. a lot of their traditional culture and a lot of their beliefs and processes, and this is really fascinating. So... When you talk to someone like Carrie across the continents, you know, it's amazing. There are certain things you look for. You look for the facial expressions. You look for the way, I suppose, our face is structured, the way I hold myself, my posture, my eye contact, all that sort of stuff. Would you like to give us a couple of tips on what would be useful for any one of us in being able to be present in a conversation with another person? The first thing is, technically speaking, we don't 
really see with our eyes. We're not just using our eyes to see. The eyes, technically speaking, are actually a lens. Uh-huh. And by the time an image reaches the visual cortex, it's two-dimensional, it's upside down, and there's approximately a third of it missing. And what we tend to do is we, we tend to fill in the gap based on what we expect to see. So learning to be actually present is the first. That's a process. It's not a quick learning. But yeah. learning to actually be present allows us to see what's actually there. So whatever it takes to learn to be present, so doing a mindfulness course, learning to practice Tai Chi, learning to meditate, any of these things, for example, will help us to learn to be present. This is a roundabout answer, but you know of the invisible gorilla. You know, you know that experiment done by Chabri and Simons back in 1999? There are two yeah. psychologists in the US. They set up a basketball game and they had two control groups. And one group had to count the number of times the team with white tops touched or passed the ball. And the other group had to count the number of times the team in black tops touched or passed the ball. And in the middle of the game, a guy dressed in a gorilla suit walked into the middle of the court, beat his chest several times and walked off again. At the end of it, 46% of the total control group just didn't believe anybody in a gorilla suit had been on the court. The study has <laughs> been replicated numerous times, but they coined the term inattentional blindness because by and large, we don't see what's actually in front of us. And we're missing a huge amount of information because somewhere between 60 and 90% of all of the electrical activity of the brain revolves around vision. That's not giving you any great practical tips. Here's a couple of practical things. Um, The first thing is when you look at somebody, make eye contact Mm. and allow yourself to receive the information from the eyes. And really what you're looking for there, first and foremost, I can go into all sorts of technical stuff around the eyes because when I make eye contact with people, I will see their life history. Not so much the detail, but in terms of their emotional history. And I will tell you whether they're happy or fulfilled, angry, sad, and where it's come from in their life. I'll tell you where they're at now, their level of vitality. I'll tell you where they can be. (laughs) So I can see all that in their life. I can tell you what's different in their personal life and their professional life. So that's a lot of what I can very quickly do but when you meet somebody make eye contact and ask yourself what messages are the eyes giving me and there's three basic things they're either warm they're neutral or they're cold and you will feel it in your body as much as see it it'll be a bodily sensation so we talk about like gut feeling so whether you feel it in your gut or whether you feel it in the heart because neuroscience is playing is showing the importance the heart plays the other brain and that is actually more significant than the the cranial brain but if the eyes are warm then this is somebody who is open to engaging you can engage with them on a personal level and this even this applies at any level of business yeah if the eyes are neutral then it's a maybe situation so you don't jump in and suddenly be friendly with them you just take your time and calibrate your engagement the level Mm -hmm. of engagement if on the other hand the eyes are cold which is not unusual, and certainly at a high level of business, it's not unusual, but it's not unusual in in regular life either. If the eyes are cold, you need to mind yourself. Because if the eyes are cold, this person is not there for your well-being. They're looking to win, and they don't mind if you lose. Fascinating, especially for uh, business and high-level negotiations. Massive global organizations, CEOs, whatever. That's a skill. And that would be data, information that's really necessary for the negotiations. Absolutely. And it's interesting because there's a lot of cultural nuances, aren't there, around Uh traditional ways of doing business. So if we went to China 
or if we went to Japan, a, lot, a number of the Asian countries have specific ways of doing business, traditional ways. Yep. This would be highly sought after information, Joseph. I can understand how if you were more and more aware of this for yourself, it's like a protective suit of armour for you. But for a business, yep. government, huge yeah, negotiations, even at, uh, say, foreign minister level between, yep. say, large superpowers. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I know some governments have actually brought in negotiation teams, yeah. body language specialists, and they're not introduced as such, of course. If I'm sitting in on a negotiation or an interview, I'm not introduced other than as a colleague or an associate. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> um, if uh, you had any advice for the world at the moment, what would you like to tell the world? Now, we're in whole state of disruption. We have massive yep. change occurring. Changes are being made perhaps on the run yep. within particular contexts. There are some decisions that are being made around the social isolation or self-sheltering, which I actually thought was quite lovely. Um, mm -hmm. If we wanted a lovely term for this, there are some massive decisions being made for big populations. And yep. still within the populations, we have an inequality, an inequality of finance, of accessibility to services and even well-being. So I'm just wondering if there was one thing you want to tell us, what would it be? Right. Well, that's a, that's a deep one. <laughs> okay. I can only go general on this one. I'm told the Chinese term for crisis means uh, dangerous opportunity. Change is being forced upon us, whether we like it or not. So it's partly to accept what is. Mm. not fight against what is because if we fight against it we're automatically stressing ourselves so we weaken our immune systems in doing so yes. so it's to accept the circumstances as they, are, as they are whether we like it or not and then look for what are the best opportunities in this situation that applies personally how can I best take care of myself like mm. put on your own oxygen mask first yep. how can you best take care of yourself how can you best take care of those immediately around you and then it's to look for, on a professional level, on a business level, what are the best opportunities now? And I get, I mean, I've been there, I get that we, at times we feel like our head is banging against the wall, but there are always, always opportunities if we can allow ourselves to see them. And sometimes that means that the light bulbs flash for us, but sometimes it means asking somebody who is in a better position, at least materially than us, a trusted friend, a trusted colleague, or reaching yes. out to somebody on LinkedIn who you think might be able to offer you some insight, because those conversations are happening, as you know, more freely now. Yeah, mm -hmm. reaching out to somebody in your network, even if you don't already know them, and say, I'd love to have a chat with you because I think you would know something about this, and I'd really appreciate your advice. And this is a time for those kind of conversations. I think that's been one of the bonuses of the time that we've been through in the last number of months. 2020 will go down as a very different year. We're living in yep. history, aren't we? Absolutely. And if there's one thing that's been a realisation for me, it's that instead of perhaps a whole shutdown because of the use of artificial intelligence now for communications, for being able to access a whole lot and the prospect was that AI would take jobs away from humans right in a way AI has helped us maintain connections during this yeah. time has helped us with being able to innovate 
with current products and services to change over very quickly to support the mass of people who are sick with the virus. Say for ventilator, here in Australia, there's a high performance car manufacturer who has managed to use some of the machinery from the engines to build ventilators, right? And this has been Wonderful. happening. General Motors Holden in America, there's a whole lot of things. So a vaccine will be here as soon as it can get here, provided we've had patience, we've had process for looking at how the virus mutates, how it actually rebirths itself. Fascinating time. Yeah, yeah to me, it goes back to Darwin. And Darwin wasn't about the strongest will survive. It's the most adaptable will survive. Yeah, that is so true because we hear all these things about so many new businesses have been set up in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Others have lost their jobs in the lineup outside the government offices for accessibility to JobKeeper pensions or whatever it is. There's still an us and them that's occurring. Yeah, I'm hoping that that could actually start to merge a little bit more. We get a bit more of an even playing field. And that's up to us currently at the present moment to be part of the conversation around what type of changes do we want to put in place around our communities and around our equity for the future. And I think that's one of the big questions. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's to look at how we as individuals can contribute, not simply wait for, you know, the government, etc., and the, yeah. the bigger bodies, you know, traditional leaders to do it. How can we build community? Because this is a perfect opportunity, a perfect time to connect with our neighbours, to connect with people around us, and to talk about quality of life and to be very, very clear about our, about our values and then to make sure we're actually living them. Joseph, I'm just thinking, if anyone is interested in delving into a little bit more of what you do, because it's absolutely fascinating for anyone leading a team, leading a group of people, an organisation, even, even for us as parents and partners with our friends or with people that we get to work with, but we may not necessarily choose to work with, where would you suggest, is there a starting point, you know, if we're curious and we start to really ponder what you've talked about here today and what we okay. shared, where would you suggest we start? Okay, well, in terms of getting in touch with me, the obvious starting point is LinkedIn. Yep. I'm most active there. I do have a website, but to be honest, I have neglected it. It does need uh, a lot more attention. So the best way to get to contact me is LinkedIn. I'm happy to have conversations. I've got various videos and blog articles up there which give information about what it is I do and give tips, you know, practical tips for people to take away and use. It's the best starting point. And I'm always happy to have a conversation. Thank you. And so, listeners, you know that I'll be posting this on LinkedIn. It's also on all our podcast stations, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And we always like a little thumbs up because it helps us. But is there anything that you could recommend to read? or to listen to apart from the podcast of course and some of your other work would there be something that people could just put their hands on and read in the meantime i guess i could plug my own book yes <laughs> unfortunately um postal services are curtailed at the moment here the international postal services so that's kind of a restriction but my book is available through my own website clearsightcommunications.com but it's also available on kindle and the book is called face facts it's a short book it's a very practical information primer and it's called face facts the art of reading your clients and prospects for sales negotiation and recruitment 
Fantastic, because I think Kindle's very popular and that would be a great way forward. Now, if we did order a book though, Joseph, would you sign it for us? I mean, I think that's a big oh, thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but unfortunately, as I say, international postal services are curtailed because <laughs> I was actually looking to send a copy to a um, colleague in Australia last week. I was told, sorry. Don't do not it. <laughs> postponed indefinitely, so that's unfortunate. All right. Our local, um, our local couriers are going crazy because there's a whole lot of internet shopping going on and we'd hope that the international services will pick up quick. I've uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. Absolutely fascinating. And listeners, if you were interested in contacting Joseph around communicating with your partner, people that you're having great difficulty in understanding and you can't quite work out how to react and respond to their behaviour in certain situations, this might be an absolutely red hot time to put that photo on the email and send it through the networks because it's going to be faster than anything else to contact. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's the way the world is at the moment. Joseph, Thriving Matters really was born out of what I consider to be the extraordinary ordinariness of an everyday guy and girl like yourself and I and the people that I talk to. We're all magnificent humans. We all have different views and mindsets on our work and our life and we have different experiences that affect those mindsets. And what I wanted to and I hope to do and continue to do is tell the stories of where people are finding their passion and their purpose and how they go about doing that. And I was absolutely fascinated when I first met you. So I'm very pleased to be able to have this chat with you. We always have a call to action at the end of our episodes. And I'm going to say, listeners, up front and centre, Joseph gave us the best quote of the day. I think you should hashtag this. <laughs> In fairness, I was given that one. So, oh, okay. Yeah, a great friend of mine, Leon Tunney Ware here, he gave me that one. And that set light bulbs flashing for me because... I was going through a bit of a dodgy period myself at the time. And when I heard that one, that was a massive, massive help for me. Well, when you speak to him again, will you thank him for that? Because tell him it's going global on his behalf (laughs) through you. The past is just information. So listeners, between now and our next podcast, I would love you just to think about how you can consider this in this massive time of disruption and uncertainty that we're in at the moment. The past is just information because we do have time to ruminate a little bit or think about what could have been, which now may not be possible. So we actually have to pivot and we have to adjust, be a little bit agile in working out, well, okay, that was what I was thinking of doing. That will no longer be going forward. How else can this look? What else can it become? And I think that's our way of saying Thank you, Joseph, for giving us another view on life. Face facts, that works really nice. We have to face the facts, but we also yep. can use our face to give us some facts. I love it. So absolutely. many thanks to you. I hope the rest of the shutdown in Ireland goes smoothly and the health of your population is not going to climb any higher. Thank you, Carrie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Well, listeners, thank you. Thank you, Joseph. The past is just information, face the facts and just stride down that hallway today and give this a red hot shot because your thriving matters. I'll talk to you next time. Carrie Benedett from Thriving Matters. Bye for now. 